Hello, and welcome to the Bushwick Book Club podcast, where our show inspired by Amy Schumer's The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. I'm Susan Huang. You'll be listening in on a conversation around my kitchen table in Bushwick. It's just a bunch of songwriters from that great show at Barbez in Brooklyn eating Amy Schumer-inspired snacks and talking about the show we just had and the songs we just wrote and the thoughts we thought while reading the stories from incredible comic and creative force Amy Schumer. You'll also be hearing the songs recorded live from that show at Barbez throughout the conversation. So when you start to hear music and wonder, wait, what's happening? Where is that from? Well, that's where that's from. While I'm in explaining mode, I should also mention that there is a conch of truth and questions. It's an actual conch. I asked the songwriters to write down their favorite parts of the book or write down the ways in which the book surprised them, and then we pull those responses from the conch randomly throughout the podcast as a way to keep talking about things and learning about each other. Just as a little teaser, I'm letting you know now that it's a great idea to keep listening to the podcast. Because you get to hear things like why butter is an Amy Schumer appropriate ingredient in the Schumer inspired snack. There's lots of talk and inspirational thoughts about bombing as in as in failing, as in failing to please an audience, a whole room full of people who were just not delighted, not not even a little. Songwriter Jim Andrellis makes one of my favorite explanations of how limitations create freedom. Uh, Don Ralph embraces how Amy Schumer embraces her vagina, and he shares in her stuffed animal affection. You'll hear songs from all of us around the table. Me, Charlie Neeland, Elia Bisker, also known as Sweet Soubrette, Don Ralph from Seattle, Larry Crone and Jim Andrellis, and those of us not around the table, John S. Hall, Jesse Kilgis, Freddie Stevenson, and Hannah Nichols with Angela Carlucci. They have a rock duo called True Dreams. And if that's not enough, I talk about why there should always be a bowl of LSD at every book club show, and you get to hear Larry Crone's laugh. That's what's coming up. All right, welcome to the Bushwick Book Club podcast, episode number four, featuring Amy Schumer's book, The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. It's right here in front of us. And in front of me right now, I have some great songwriters who contributed to the show, the last show. It was really fun. Oh, my God, it was really fun. I am still I'm still feeling residual fun. What about you guys? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All tingling. Would you introduce yourselves? I'm Larry Crone. I'm Jim Andralis. Don Ralph. Elliot Bisker. Charlie Neeland. And we all wrote songs inspired by Amy Schumer's book. What was um, your favorite part of the show? I'm just wondering. Oh, I know what my favorite part of the show was. Yeah? It was when Freddie Stevenson started playing his song, and it was his first time at the book club. Uh-huh. And my first reaction was, oh, man, like, this is obviously a song that he already had and he <laughs> thought of must be tangentially related. <laughs> but then he started mentioning, like, really specific things from the book about halfway through, and I was like, Oh my god, no, it's just really good. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's hear Freddie Stevenson's song. Looking down at myself from the ceiling fan Looking up at the stars from the roof of a van Looking into the eyes of the invisible man behind me there are people in the seats and the show's about to start my temples are beating like the telltale heart I searched for myself in my past but I couldn't find me 
I bruise like a peach I lay down my burdens on a long island beach I belong in the world but I long to be just out of reach Solid as a statue Opaque as a figure of speech Oh, look at me now Upon the silver screen Oh, but the tears of a clown When I'm coming down Astronaut ice cream Astronaut ice cream Sometimes the cruelty of the world is hard to ignore I want to sink through the earth, crust, mantle and core And get out with my score before this door detective busts me I'm a hustler with a conscience and a conscience comes with a toll Jump on board with me baby, let's get out of control It'll take more than a few goat-chewing trolls to crush me I drink with the best of them Left my mark on the hearts of some beautiful men I gorge on the roar of thunderous applause But then I empty myself of it all And start again Oh, look at me now Upon the silver screen When I'm coming down When I'm coming down Oh, look at me now Up on the silver screen Oh, but the tears of a clown Coming down Eating astronaut ice cream Astronaut ice cream Astronaut ice cream Astronaut Thank you. 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 Thank you.
<laughs> I feel like so many people came before the show and said, my song isn't going to be so good tonight. And then mm-hmm. everyone's song was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We all and the wide day came to the Larry, this was your second book club, right? Yeah. And, yeah, I did um, the Monster Loom before this. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And um, do you know what? Do you notice anything different about writing for book club than you do for other, other songs, mm. or other purposes shows? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of it's a nice challenge. It's definitely like a, it's kind of, it can be hard because, um, you know, I want to. I guess my challenge is to make a song that's not only for book club. That's going to be like that's going to mean something deeper um, than just like uh, something that's going to fit the theme. So that's that makes it hard. Because you got to sort of qualify for both, both things. Yeah, I never give myself that challenge. Ah, this doesn't have to be deep at all. That's, that's the only way I can get it out. Even in middle school, she wanted to pull her own weight, 150 pounds. She'd wake up at 6 a.m. with a can of paint. Don't ask her to make, make to make the change. Her parents are bloodthirsty and insane. She'll throw you out of court, she'll throw you out with the mail, she'll bring you a surf and turf that was never there. The six-year-olds can't even tie their shoes. She's wearing the whistle, she knows what to do. She's not afraid of the fight or whoever wants to be mean. She's wearing the whistle, she's the referee. She'll bike you halfway up that hill and quote you the price. She's not washing your bald spot, don't make her uh, tell you twice. She's wearing panties that say, I love me. She's lifting up her skirt and swing a little and laughing. She'll get fired later for closing early. She's never liked the indecisive ordering. Just don't ask her what the main ingredient is in tequila. She'll make something up and she'll do what she feels up. The slower the clock ticks, the sweeter the beer at the end of the shift. The freedom feels free, you're being told you can go after you finish. The side work is a heaven you'll know. Right here on earth, rolling silverware furiously into napkins, taking orders from captains to whatever dumb thing they're asking. Beats being listless like the Gatsby's. Think of how annoying that would be, fanning yourself and lounging around. Wondering if you should go into town Even if the lesbian bar isn't helping you get laid It's worth it to be on the team It's worth it to be getting paid Everybody's a genius Don't judge the fish on its ability to climb Just let it swim Don't ask Amy to make the change She'll stare at that buck 85 And eat more hot dogs But let her be in charge And give her room to be alone When she needs to so she can write some jokes To make us laugh by sharing her ideas And reminding us that there's beauty and strength In everything, even regrets, even a crooked tattoo She got when her mother had no business Letting her make a decision like that Amen, 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 amen. Thanks, guys. But yeah, I enjoyed your song a lot. 
and we wrote about the same topic. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I know. Actually, I checked in with you first. Uh-huh. I'm like, what happens if, like, to, you know? I just want to tell you, this is the song I want to write. Like, are there any overlaps? Overlap. You know, is anyone's going to do the same thing? Because otherwise, they just won't write it. And you're like, and you're like, well, no, it's okay to have overlap. Overlap. Like, like you already knew we were doing the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I already <laughs> get to that chapter. Uh-huh. I, yeah, and so I was like, yeah, that's, I love it when there's overlap. Overlap. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting when there's overlap. Overlap. Because everybody's approach is so different that you really mm-hmm. get to see. Like it's almost like a controlled experiment. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. you give all these different songwriters the same book, and then if people put their individual lenses over the same part, like, what do you get? Like, we overlapped. Overlap. Yeah, I mean, I overlapped overlap. with a lot of people because I used stuff from like the whole book, kind of, and so. Oh, I thought that was like our thing. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Charlie and I have had situations where like we lift like some of the same lines from the book, and then like the same lines are in both of our songs. That's yeah. happened a couple of. Yeah, that happened in the too. And then, and yet the songs are so different and like good in different ways. It's so, that's so yeah. cool. I love that. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is overlap. Overlap. Right? We're all taken from, from the same book. Yeah. In, yeah. in a way. But I like that overlaps overlap. become like the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think about overlap. Overlap. <laughs> in this industry, overlap. Overlap. But really. <laughs> it's become a dirty word. It sounds dirty. Overlap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should talk about the food. I'll talk about the food that I just made. Yeah. Uh, the food that I made is a kabocha squash ice cream, and you may be wondering what is so Amy Schumer about it. Well, the secret is I shoplifted all the ingredients. <gasps> no. I. You know how hard it is to oh get a kabocha God. squash under your shirt. <laughs> Are you, you really? Yeah. <laughs> you just go to the key food, and you're like, "Oops!" And I got caught. And, and um, you got caught? No, this is all made up. But, <laughs> oh. but, I, but I, in my mind, this was true. This would be the, I, can't, I can't even yeah. lie about. Uh, I was trying so hard to lie. 20 seconds long. <laughs> wow, that is dedication. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's terrible. Um, but I, yeah, because I actually suck at shoplifting and, like, you know. And lying in a lot of ways, although in some ways I'm an expert at it because I lied to my mother for about everything, you know. Just, so, and she taught me how to lie as a Jehovah's Witness, keeping that from my father. Anyway, that's a lot of backstory. <sighs> but anyway, I, I'm not very good at shoplifting. I have terrible guilt issues, so I, I couldn't actually lift it. But if I did, it would be really funny. You weren't born to be a criminal. No, no. Although, gosh, I guess I have taken... Um, like a stapler from work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's white collar crime. That's white collar crime. Okay, I have done that. I have done that. Binder clips. I have taken so many binder clips. The next thing will be post it. Scrap paper. I took scrap paper. Yeah, see. I did, you know, paper that was already slow. I think I still have post it notes from my old job, which I left. A year and a half ago. I love a good post-it note. Yeah. I'm here to make a citizen's arrest. <laughs> <laughs> but that, another thing that's Amy Schumer-like in the ice cream is that, well, well, kabocha squash is just my favorite squash, but the Amy Schumer ingredient is um, butter. Oh. oh, yeah. There's butter in your ice cream? Well, I just put one tablespoon. That was more oh. just for the spirit and the concept. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of butter mentioned in the book, if you noticed. Yeah. She had a fear of being churned into butter as a, oh, as right. a young girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was such an unusual fear. Mm-hmm. And she you loves know? that butter and pasta, right? Yeah, she loves the butter and pasta. There was that time when she 
uh, blacked out with her boyfriend, and oh, she yeah. was eating butter like guacamole around mm-hmm. the house, and he kept saying, you're getting butter everywhere, and she's like, <laughs> you know, you don't support me. Or... <laughs> you're butter boy. She called that or something like that. She made yeah, a name for yeah. Yeah. Should we ask the conch of truth, the conch of truth and destiny? Yeah. The conch of yeah. questions? Mm-hmm. Who wants to do the honors? Elia, will you do? Sure. All right, this has very, very messy handwriting, and the ink has smeared, but it says something like... The soundtrack of Braveheart. The soundtrack of Braveheart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember <laughs> during one of um, the uh, less enjoyed sexual experiences. Oh, right. Right. Um, um, and t- the topper, the capper, was uh, hearing hearing the bagpipes in the Braveheart soundtrack. <laughs> but see, the flips, the bounce from that is that you go right from there to Sam Cooke, and she loved Sam Cooke, and she didn't even know she loved Sam Cooke until that moment. So see, there is a silver lining to every um, uh, awkward sexual, sexual yeah. What happened? And the partner fell asleep during that episode? Yeah, she yeah. Fell, yeah, he fell asleep like against her vagina or something. Or, uh, <laughs> so song. she's hearing this great romantic love song she, while this guy's falling asleep while uh, having oral sex with her, right? Isn't that what happened? How about some John This is called Open Letters 1. An open letter to Amy Schumer's vagina. Dear Amy Schumer's vagina, I'm about to write a letter to Amy and I will forward you a copy. I imagine you are feeling mortified about the things she has said about you. Perhaps she has said them to your face. She clearly isn't saying them behind your back. She has said them on stage, right in front of you, and thousands of people, and this invective has been further disseminated on Netflix. She also has a book out with Simon & Schuster where she repeated these things about you. She must know you can read. You are not an idiot. Anyway, I don't want to embarrass you further. I just want to say that I feel for you and that I am sorry that some people can be so mean. People to whom you are so close, you feel as though you are a part of them, which in this case you actually are. The world is unfair, and it can be especially unfair to vaginas, but take solace in the knowledge that some of us know that the things that Amy Schumer says about you can't possibly be true. Sincerely, John S. Hall. Two, open letter to Amy Schumer. Dear Ms. Schumer, It was an experience getting to know you a bit through the pages of your book, and I wish to thank you for your candor. I have never in my life said TMI, too much information. I'm not about to start now. I am happy to hear about anything anybody wants to say, and generally speaking, I respect your -your in-your-face approach. And this part on pages 251, 252, where you talk about your vagina, it was really in my face. You really rubbed my nose in it, while at the same time indicating that it is perhaps one of the last places in the world where I would want my nose to be. Maybe I can sort of relate. I have a fairly ambivalent relationship with my genitalia, too. But when someone is being picked on, my inclination to help tends to emerge. My MO is to defend the downtrodden. And in your book, nothing is more downtrodden than your veg. So one part of me, One part of me, not my penis, wants to rise to the occasion, I said not my penis, and come to your vagina's defense. Although another part of me, also not my penis, 
feels I should stay out of it, by which I don't mean that I feel I should stay out of your vagina, although coincidentally that is how I feel, and I'm sure the feeling is mutual. I just mean that it's your vagina, far be it from me to come between the two of you, but you open the door and I'm walking in. First, I want to say, I feel bad for your vagina. The things you have said about it are just plain mean. Some of the things you've said about your vagina are worse than some of the things I have said about Trump, so that's fucked up. <laughs> but I also want to push back on your claims. I am an old man, like the guy you once went on a blind date with for an Amy Goes Deep segment about professional matchmaking. I was born when Eisenhower was president. I've been going down on women since the Carter administration, and I have never, on any vagina's worst day, encountered one that smelled anywhere near as bad as you say yours does on its best day. So color me skeptical. I'm wondering if maybe it's one of those psychological things where you set it up like it's a crime against humanity so that when someone does go down there, he says, oh, it's not that bad at all. It's actually kind of nice, or at least not awful, like the way I like to talk about, about how small mine is so that then usually I hear something like, oh, it's not that small. This is actually a nice size. I can work with this. I understand that routine, and if that's what you're doing, fine, I get it. And if so, maybe you've already let your vagina in on it, in which case I'm completely wrong about this, and your vagina doesn't feel bad at all, in which case perhaps my work is done. I'm not the type to beat a dead horse, whether it smells like a dead horse or a live goat. But I still feel a little uncertain and unfinished and tentative. So I'm going to write one more letter to your vagina, and then I'll stop, I promise. Three, dear Amy Schumer's vagina again. As I was just saying to Amy, it occurred to me that it's entirely possible that you already know that she isn't, isn't serious, that she's running some kind of good cop, bad cop routine or an expectations management game or some shit, and that you are in on it. In which case, please forgive this intrusion. Disregard my previous letter, and I will leave you to it. Thanks. John Asshole. Yeah, but sometimes, like, bagpipes... I don't know if bagpipes have um, acted that way in my life, but I remember <laughs> coming home from a, a, a hard work shift and just thinking, what the fuck am I doing? And I, you know, I'm coming back from my catering job and, and, the, and I'm so fucking tired and it's late at night and the trains are slow and then the doors open and then there's a saxophone player on the platform and he's doing the sax solo and it's terrible. <laughs> you know, and I don't even like sax that much, but it was a terrible sax solo. And then the door stayed open because the trains were stuck. And then I'm like, this is my life! It's never ending terrible sax solo. So, but, you know, I could have used a little Sam Cooke then, but I don't know what happened. But I'm sure something amazing happened right after. That was my silver lining. Um, but, um... Uh, let's pick out another one. All right, I'm, I'm reaching again. No. Something we learned about Amy or ourselves. Embracing the flaws and imperfections and owning them is what makes her so great as a writer and performer. That's an assignment to consider taking on. Tattoos, diary entries, virginity, loss, stories, everything. It's true. Yeah. I really, one thing that I really related to her especially, and she and I are like about the same age and we grew up kind of in the suburbs of, uh, of New York City and I really related to some of her stories specifically, but it was her, um, her drive to sort of eradicate her lack of experience, like whatever the consequences that really spoke to me, whether it was getting a tattoo to kind of take on this 
this illusion of experience or or you know getting rid of her virginity like all that just her drive to be a grown-up in the world really mm -hmm. spoke to me and then as a grown-up in the world looking back with, with affection at her younger self who was so hell-bent on on doing that yeah, yeah. I like the way you put that what what is something that um <laughs> that you that you've done with the same kind of intent same kind of intent I mean Things that aren't like more personal than I feel talking about on a on a famous <laughs> podcast. <laughs> It'll make us more famous. Go ahead. <laughs> Reveal it here. <laughs> Tell your secret. I mean, I also have a big tattoo that I got at eighteen, and like that really that spoke to me especially. Um, her her idea that the the reason you get that at the time is to say that you are, you know, that you are a certain kind of person. It symbolizes power and it symbolizes experience but like actually what it says is the opposite right. like it actually is is like a a trace of your desire to to get rid of your your innocence or your your lack of power and what was your tattoo at age 18 this one my my circles oh, oh, those, oh are, wow. those are beautiful thank you they you know i i wanted something big and um it did that is there meaning to those circles? Oh, I wanted something I could never grow out of, so it, it, could, it couldn't be too specific. But circles are, are a yeah. positive symbol of, of a lot of things that you would wish to carry around with you, whether it's wholeness or cycles of the moon or, you know, eggs and the potential <laughs> for growth. Yeah. Um, although I used to tell people that I was in a cult. And, and you wrapped in your song this time. Oh yeah. Did, like this hip hop section. I, I did. That was that was a new thing for me. Um, had you not done that before? I hadn't done that exactly before, but my um, my start as a performer was doing spoken word in my in late call late high school into college. That was my I was I was a poet and I performed this was like at the height of the the slam poetry mm -hmm. age. Um, I actually know John Hall from, John S. Hall from mm -hmm. that, that oh, period. Cool. He and I met back in the, the, those days. Mm -hmm. um, that was before Sweet Soubrette existed. I was like probably 17 or 18 wow. years old. It was long before Sweet Soubrette existed. I didn't play an instrument even. I was just a, you know, just a poet. Just a girl with just, words. Just a girl poet. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking my truth. <laughs> <laughs> so many eyes on me as I degrade myself nightly Bombing and sweating, it seems so unlikely But no turning back once you run in the show It's so hard to hide your feelings once you learn to let go Most of the time I feel beautiful and strong But I don't know how we survive this at all I am not who I sleep with, what I weigh, what I do Yeah, I'm not my mother, I'm myself and all of you I still bomb, I still kill Gonna make it, yeah, I know I will Trying to begin my life somehow I want everything, everything right now I still bomb, I still kill Gonna make it, yeah, I know I will Trying to begin my life somehow I want everything, everything The most joy I remember feeling as a kid Was when a storm was coming And the waves were big And the 
the ocean was angry and pulling us sideways we could see it rolling in as we waited for a good way someday when i'm old and it's time for me to go lay me to rest in a tiny little boat knock a flaming arrow point your bow to the east set the boat on fire sent me drifting out to sea i still bond i still kill gonna make it yeah i know i will trying to begin my life somehow i want everything everything right now i still bond i still kill gonna make it yeah i know i will trying to begin my life somehow i want everything everything take my measurements my depths are fathomless ambitious yes so hungry i'm ravenous doing what i'm meant to do living out my destiny body lighting up to cause trouble for all the rest of me now that i'm a movie star you know what i'm gonna do I'm gonna flop myself, show off my crooked ass tattoo I am not afraid to shine, reaping my hard work and luck Yeah, I'm the boss lady, now you know that I don't give a fuck I still bomb, I still kill Trying to begin my life somehow I wear my mistakes just like badges of Sorry, because I don't want all these lessons I've learned Lived in all over this city From the island of Staten to the Circle Line Ferry I still bomb, I still kill Gonna make it, yeah, I know I will Trying to begin my life somehow I want everything, everything right now I still bomb, I still kill Gonna make it, yeah, I know I will Trying to begin my life somehow I want everything, everything, everything Elia Bisker, sweet surprise! So it was kind of a cool thing to incorporate that, um, that kind of spoken word thing into into a music performance. Um, although I was very inspired by uh, you and Charlie have both done more kind of rapping things in your songs in the past, and I I figured I'd go out on a limb. It's the book club. Are you, you gonna know. do it again? I might. Cool. Well, you know, I was thinking about asking somebody to collaborate with me on that song and do a kind of rap in the middle, and then I, and then I said, fuck it, I'll do it myself. That's right. Um, Charlie, talk about your song. She mentioned that part in the book where she was first referring to Shannon Doherty, and then she got to that phrase where she said, you can't be wise and innocent at the same time. It's an impossible combination, like Shannon Doherty. Mm -hmm. She was talking about <laughs> Shannon Doherty. <laughs> but I thought that was an interesting phrase. And so now it's like stuck in my head. Everything turns into impossible combination. Any duality, I go like, oh, da -da -da -da. impossible combination. So it's like, it's become like a little motif, even since I wrote the song. So I question whether you can call things impossible combinations, because people's experience embodies really wide opposites, and people often 
are these completely yeah. opposing things in their nature. And but at the same time, it's good to consider these things that are sort of hard to reconcile. I, f I figured that would be like a good thing for the the main chorus of the song, and that's exactly what happened. And then um, there's another scene when she's talking about loving her father, and she had this memory of going to the beach with her father to body surf on this day when the storm was coming in. Right. I love the picture at the end of that chapter, too, mm -hmm. of yeah. the two of them together. Yeah. And, and so that was very evocative and just so cinematic. I was like, well, this is going in. I mean, to be honest, I didn't feel like a strong motivation to include like a whole bunch of the book in my song this time. It was probably just me. So I just kind of was going to go off of these two things. And then this friend of mine has this art that she's made about her parents and talked about this dream that she had about her father in the piece. And it made me think about this dream I had about my father after he passed away. I included that in the, in the later verse of the song. Also, I was thinking about this band that I really like called The National. So I was in the mood to like write a song with like <clears throat> that kind of low voice kind of thing. Yeah, I thought you channeled The National a thank little bit. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I don't remember you playing piano in past shows. So I've was only that done new? it once before. Yeah, and it's a, nice. it's a little unnerving to sing and play a song at the same time. I have to shift between different parts, and then it's it's you know it's a little bit. Two hands moving. I know yeah. you gotta move both your hands. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's two hands. You might have used a foot pedal. That's crazy. <laughs> and and That's then great. and then you still have to sing. I mean, and so I came up with the piano bit like earlier in the week, and it was just I kept listening to it on my phone, going, okay, yeah, yeah, this is gonna be good. And then the, all the lyrics kind of came jumping out this one day later in the week, and I said, now I gotta put them all together tomorrow. It was like tomorrow was Saturday, like a few days before the show. So I went to the studio, started putting it all together. And then I left feeling really sort of thrown because the song sounded like really cheesy to me after I put it mm. all together. I thought it sounded like a cabaret or Broadway or something. There's nothing wrong with those things, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't what I imagined for the song at first. But then when I played it for you guys, you guys all said that it was good. And then I just, that made me feel a little better about it. And one thing about it is that because it was piano, I had to play it a lot of times. To, to get the singing and the playing going. So I really practiced it a lot. I kept going back to the studio where we have a piano and played it for like an hour or two uh, for several days in a row. So I felt like the performance was pretty solid for me. Because <laughs> often I'll come in with a song and just just have written it and mm -hmm. it I haven't performed it that much. Really well, thank yeah, you. Thanks. Listen to the right vibration Impossible combination To talk to me, so I am learning But never touch the flame that's burning Inside of you and on the outside Light so bright, midnight sunshine the only road I've ever driven The only life I have to give is mine So you can live And all I have to give 
still swam against the current We rode the tides Cause we were sure of sitting on that as an ideal, you know, I'm on what Brenda has. <laughs> Larry, did you write your song on the subway? Because um, you said you sometimes write, you write a lot on the subway. I usually write my songs on the subway. No, really? I don't think I did that. This one I kind of, it was a little rushed, but I was fighting, it was like, it didn't, it was the same thing as you, Charlie, with like, I heard it and it's like, that was not at all what I imagined I was going to write. And, uh, 
but I think it's because I was watching. We had had that conversation at the the Not House Studio. Mm -hmm. We were there recording with with Jim, uh, and we were talking about like weird jobs we had, and and um, then, oh, I, right. then I went home and uh, saw that chapter, and so like it really spoke to me. And then, uh oh, delivery. delivery. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was watching reruns of Hee Haw on TV. <laughs> And Jerry Reed was on. Oh, no, it was actually the Jerry Reed show. I don't know if anyone remembers him, but he was like from the seventies. He was in BJ and the Bear, I believe, or like. Um, I still love that show. I loved yeah. him. It really made me want to be a truck driver. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> what was the other one? Every which way but loose. He was. In, he was like had that kind of a presence, and he's also like done a lot of variety shows. Anyways, he he always did like these twangy, fast, uh, wordy, um, countryish songs and stuff, and. Um, I think that's what happened because I was really intending to write like a really tender, mm -hmm. you know, like. <laughs> I like that you covered the gamut, you know, like you really got detail in there. The one thing Fans that I really door. regret is that I did some, I took some poetic license that I didn't even really need to do because I was really fixated on trying to rhyme something with steakhouse. <laughs> and, um, I couldn't. And so somehow I went in the circle and so I was like, I, okay. I want to say that she had a lot of chutzpah, and then I was like, what rhymes with that? And I rhymed it with sports bar. Oh, yeah. But, that's a great yeah, rhyme. That's a good but idea. it doesn't rhyme any better than steakhouse. <laughs> like, I may as well have just said steakhouse. <laughs> I think that's a sports bar. Why are more people putting that in their songs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting rhyme. Is that in the rhyming dictionary? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> sports bar. When determined. Little girly who doesn't like her hair too curly. She, does, she doesn't sit around the house and pout. She'll march right over to the salon with a plan to get her straight on. And can miss the Boston letters with the floor for a free blowout. And then, as if by duty, she climbs the ladder of beauty, pretending she has an expertise in the art of shampoo. Until that little white liar gets herself fired when she refuses to wash the textbook bozo hairdo. She fakes it till she makes it. She never buys or breaks it. Half the things they pay her for, she doesn't know how to do. <laughs> it takes a can-do disposition and a lack of inhibition and a little blind ambition thrown into. register at the corner grocery but not for this one she convinced him she could get the job done and stay till she, and stay till she find out that the hot dogs aren't all you can eat her next display of chutzpah was his waitress at a busy sports bar though she'd never worked a day at a restaurant let alone served they told her she was canned but she pretended not to understand And she became the joint's top seller of surf and turf Even though it wasn't on the menu <laughs> Yeah, she faked it till she made it She never bite or break it She didn't believe there was anything she couldn't do She had a can-do disposition And a lack of inhibition And I bet a little masochism in there too 
Yeah, she faked it till she made it It was no mistake, it happened just like it was supposed to do So with a lack, with a can-do disposition And a lack of inhibition Maybe, Lord, I can do it too I like with that that she got her paycheck too, and all that talking about work, and she oh, yeah. just felt she said, whenever you get a paycheck anywhere along the way, it feels great. Yeah. And then it took me back, feeling like, oh yeah, you know, when you get that first paycheck yeah. and early and then, on, and then even later, yeah. and today, it yeah. still feels good. I got. Hey. And I love that yeah. feeling, you know, that she talks about over there, getting off work. I've oh, often yeah. had that thought. Where I'm like, well, I know the great part about this job is that it feels so good to get off this job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she yeah. talks, she talks a bit. lot about like about work ethic and work in like a couple interesting ways. Like she talks about logging hours as a performer mm -hmm. and just kind of like putting in her time, and you really get a sense of how dedicated she's been. But then she also talks about like doing a piss poor job at certain jobs that she's had, or like hating them, and like that feeling mm -hmm. of. Of like she is like a she is like a work a working comic like she is a working person and like you that really comes through yeah yeah I mean it reminds me of uh, Steve Martin's book that section when he was talking about how it's not as hard to be great as it is to be good and being good just takes a lot of practice and a lot of repetition um, in order to have maintain a certain consistent level of of being a good performer, yeah. being able to deliver a good performance no matter what the circumstances are. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, a lot of stand-up comics, they talk about that, how they just have to do it over and over and over again, and then it's like a matter of time and repetition before they have this level of comfort on stage that doesn't that go away. That the comfort doesn't go away? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like a, a certain level mm -hmm. of it. I don't think mm -hmm. it's like necessarily just you know, comfort all, all over yeah. and, you know, cushy, you know, a nice feathered down comforter <laughs> for people. But I was talking like, because um, I felt like uh, like there was a, sh a show that Charlie and I did um, a couple nights ago, and I was just like, man, we fucking bombed. And and I'm like, ah, and I felt like I was so ready for it, too. I was like, this is that one song I'm going to do. And we get up there, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that thing that I always say is the wrong thing to do, which is you get on stage, and then messing up is not the wrong thing, but... Um, like not letting go of the mess up is the wrong mm -hmm. thing, you know. And I was just like, I couldn't let it go. I was just, oh. What and do then, you mean? Like, what'd you do? Like, I was just, I stopped Charlie. I was like, no, 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 this is the part. And there's like, okay, but I wasn't uh, even charming about it. I wasn't charming. I wasn't funny. Uh, I was just like, this is what's gonna happen, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it did. But it's like, well, why did I do that? And I was talking about it with Rachel the next day, and and Rachel was just like, oh yeah, I totally bombed last night too. I'm like, you did? She's like, oh yeah, it was terrible. I'm like, yeah, but you're good, so you can just go in there and and it's like, you know, maybe the audience doesn't. Really respond to you but you're good because you've achieved that level no I just fucking bit it I bit it and so she was describing to me you know her situation and it was kind of the same thing she's like no it always happens when you think that you've got this you know you come and relax and you think you got it you know and then and she, and she did the same thing she said I'm like oh even Rachel bombs still and she's like like Amy she's like done a gazillion shows and she's like performed at Madison Square Garden and all this but yeah. Amy herself says it in her book I still bomb I still kill That's and that was my chorus for my yeah. song like it was such a Oh yeah, yeah. Idea. That was like, great. That's right. Like that's, that's like you can play in any number of VFW halls and beautiful places and on the Circle Line ferry around Staten Island or or whatever. But like it's gonna still happen in all all the different ways it's gonna happen. It's, you know all those it's things. Part of being a performer. That we read about that like how important failure is to the process of 
of honing and, and what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm doing everything right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I said afterwards. I'm failing so at much. One point. I must be doing it right. I said if we... Everything right. Fucking up was good. It was like, something's good going to come out of it. It just always does. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that she's so good at, I think, in this book, and you get a sense in her life, is um, is not, not trying to gloss over the stuff that doesn't go right. You know, she really embraces it, her imperfections, and, like, all the... The things that, you know, even her like her sex stories are not like I'm gonna just not talk about the terrible ones, and I'm gonna like selectively talk about the ones that were really great. Like she like she puts it all out there, and and that that's one of the things that that really like spoke to me through this book was her 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 interest in in all the stuff that goes wrong, and and that yeah. that's what kind of makes that kind of like builds her into herself as she is now. Well, I think that's what makes relatable comedy too is to talk about the, the fuck ups and the things that, that those happen. are funnier yeah it's way funnier you don't want to just talk about all the perfect moments that that's have. not funny not at all <laughs> <laughs> well the tattoo itself though I mean it's the best yeah it's the best thing to focus on for the title because it is like certainly as bad things to do but that is a really that is a real fuck up that tattoo <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, I have a I have a tattoo like that. I regret also, but it's not quite so prominent. And um, uh, you know, you don't feel good about it. And and um, to sort of lead with showing off like this this thing that's just like you know out of style, badly done. You know, like not what she would ever choose to do today, or and would never choose to present herself to, that way now. Um, it shows some strength. The other thing is her diary entries. Oh my god. I think that was actually That's my favorite part. That's what I was going to do yeah. for a song, maybe. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was thinking about doing a diary entry with, and then with addendums, you know, like the way she was doing Her interesting Have you ever sat down and read some of your old diaries mm-hmm. from like those times? It's Excruciating. Yeah. She definitely did not edit those either. She left everything in there. I can't do imagine it. having the strength mm-hmm. of character to do that. I do not have that strength of character. Mm-hmm. I may never. Jim, would you talk about your song? Sure. <laughs> I listened to this audiobook when it first came out. I had actually pre-ordered it. And I listened to it right away. So some of the things that you guys are talking about now, I'm like... Shit, I don't remember anything about butter. <laughs> but I knew when you said that we were going to be doing this book, what stood out for me was sort of the tenderness about which she talked about her tattoo. And so I started off thinking that I wanted to do, like, just sort of from the perspective of the tattoo to really just show appreciation about how she wrote about the tattoo. And you finished your song early. I remember you telling me. I was so into it. We were upstate. Friends of ours let us stay at their home. And they're like semi-acquaintances, semi-friends. They rent my therapy office to me, and they're really nice. And I just, you know, took a few hours, and I went down. And But I already had a lot of it in my head. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't plan on was that it sort of ended up becoming this, this drive for redemption, like from the perspective of the tattoo, which feels really fun and good to sing yeah but I I had this like little memo of myself singing it and I was like I'm gonna send it to David and Vivian and be like I wrote this in your ass (laughs) (laughs) 
And I did, and David's response was, good start. (laughs) 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 So devastated. (laughs) Like, the song is terrible. Good start. But I do really love it. And I really didn't change it much after I got his feedback. I think he liked it. It's just those things hit his face, you know? I've been down here For 18 years On your lower back Just above the crack I'm your imperfection I'm an old infection I'm puffy and fat where I should be flat I'm not on straight I'm fun to hate I'm a young decision I'm a lack of supervision I'm your low 
Perspective of the tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who does that? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, that's when we were we were sitting nice. around. I yeah. guess when you guys were filming that cooking session, I was like, I feel like everybody's going to do that. And you were like, maybe I'll do that. Oh yeah. Yeah, for some overlap. <laughs> yeah, for some overlap. Yeah, interesting overlap. Overlap's good. I, I wasn't able to do it, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like the other thing that I wish I would have written on that card that we thought about earlier, we were discussing before I wrote that song. Me and Lara. We're talking about how it's like we all talk about stories of things that we did that were really reckless when we were little, and it's so funny from the perspective of a grown-up who has survived it. But when you actually know a kid, mm-hmm. like to picture her at 17 and her sister at 14, mm-hmm. going into what turned out to be a temporary tattoo parlor, mm-hmm. but it's scary like it's scary to think of what could have happened to them and how vulnerable they were just entering that insane situation and i got a lot of that sort of protective feeling just reading the book yeah it's a lot of anxiety for you then reading the book (laughs) every every other page then you know it's just like oh no, I guess yeah. maybe not anxiety. Well, right it's word. both. It's like, it's really funny, and mm. it's really, you know, there's something heartbreaking about the mom just being like, okay, guys, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> and you're thinking, no, that's not, that's not what you do. But it's also, you know, I wonder where they went. Yeah. I wonder where they got their tattoos. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I love, like, I, I really love that song. Yeah. And I feel like, I've done three Bushwick book clubs, and I'm I'm happy with. Do they come out easy for you, like the songs when you're on assignment? There's something about the limitation uh-huh. that, for me, creates some freedom. I'm like, oh, I'll just pick this thing, and then you know it always ends up being about me somehow. I find comfort in writing about something super specific mm. and just letting my mind wander. Cool. Then um, I'll let you know about the next one. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be yeah. back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will you be back, Don? Uh, when's the next one? Uh, mm. September 17th. No. I'll Will you be do doing the Seattle one. All right. Do the Seattle one then. Yeah. Maybe convince him to do the same thing that we're doing. Meat Cake Bible. But Don, we talk about, you know, this song and how it came out. Yeah. Um, well, Amy obviously embraces her vagina. <laughs> and right from the get-go in chapter one, she's talking to her vagina and she just, you know, she really... Uses the word pussy, and I think she, in her life beyond this book, she's made the word pussy uh, acceptable. And I know she introduced it to Comedy Central. I think she fought for that, right? Mm-hmm. That's what she says in the book. And, and she became a word. I mean, she made it a, a fine word to use, and it's a great word to use. And uh, unfortunately, Donald Trump had to use it, but she made it a great word to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just took, from her perspective, really, I felt like I could be her and say and sing about all the things she calls her pussy so I just used all her phrases that were in this book but also in a, a few skits that she does I mean she had you know really hilarious it <laughs> was just, really catchy oh good <laughs> I mean she has words that you'd say like why would any woman use that as a word for pussy but she's joking about it in these skits like right. you know, sausage wallet and <laughs> what else lizard mouth is kind of 
<laughs> crazy. But she uses them in the skit and skits and in the book. No, in the book she says uh, revolving door at one point. And then she also talks about some boyfriend or some partner that wanted to use his foot to bring her off. And she's like, no. I don't want this. Don't use my pussy. Don't consider my pussy your moccasin. Oh, right. <laughs> that effect, so. <laughs> don't put it in. So, uh, yeah. And then, I, but I combine that too. I don't know. I was thinking about that with her pussy and then also her stuffed animals because I can see her appreciation for odd stuffed animals. I have this stuffed animal from a kid called Chestro Chimp. You pull the string and he's this Irish stuffed monkey with <laughs> a little vest and he goes, you know, diddly 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 doo, I'm Chester O'Chimp! <laughs> and I can't give it up, I have it in my closet still. <laughs> so, when she talks about stuffed animals and being into them and saying, I know this is weird, but I'm like, well, yeah, I got my stuffed <laughs> Chester O'Chimp <laughs> in the closet, so I could relate to that. So, I just pictured her stuffed animals, probably saw more of a pussy than anybody else, that team, so I just them watching her all the time, being there, I, I combined that into the song. It's a revolving door and so much more. My pussy, my pussy. Keep your foot from going in. It's not your moccasin. My pussy, my pussy. Go ahead and give it a try. Taste my hair pie. My pussy, my pussy. Wanna know who I am? Just open up my clam, my pussy, my pussy. It's like you've won the lotto. No, we're still up, we're still there. It's like you've won the lotto. Every time you see my tuna taco, my pussy, my pussy. If you're heading down south, say hi to my lizard mouth, my pussy, my pussy. You can roll it, you can, no. You can roll it, you can rock it. <laughs> my steamy fresh out pocket, my pussy. Here we go. My pussy. There are a select few who have seen it more than anyone can dream. I speak of Polly Penny and Bonnie, my special furry animal team. There are a select few who have seen it more than anyone can dream. I speak of Penny, Polly, and Bonnie, my special furry animal team. And let's not forget. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, here we go. Here we go. And let's not forget. Two-headed bear. He's probably disturbing to most, but he's got twice the stare. And let's not forget my special two-headed bear. He seems disturbing to most, but he's got twice the stare. A Rolls Royce Deluxe when it comes time to fuck my pussy. My pussy. It's an 
skinny, not an Audi. There's never overcrowding my pussy. My pussy. When it's time to wango tango, it's not unlike a mango. My pussy. My pussy. For the handsome and the homely, it's invitation only. My pussy. a penny Polly and Bonnie my special furry animal team and let's not forget my special two-headed bear he's disturbing to most but he's got twice the stare What's the correlation between the animals and the pussy again? No, just that they're under bed, and I figured they've probably oh, seen. Okay. I was just imagining like their witness. I'm imagining their witness. Yeah. who has seen her pussy more than anyone else. It's, <laughs> oh, it's Penny and Bunny and Panda and Pokey <laughs> and the two-headed bear. She mentions this boyfriend gave her a two-headed oh, yeah. bear, which sounds disturbing, but she likes and loves, and so I like that too. Mm -hmm. The weird two-headed bear. <laughs> Yeah, I can't have stuffed animals because I don't really have a capacity for love, but... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you could love them, though. <laughs> All right, um, let's pull a thing. Let's pull a thing. What did he eat for breakfast, I thought? An adult diaper? A cadaver? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just nice. like that. <laughs> Those are some like pretty, pretty good descriptions of bad breath there. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's good. There was an old customer we used to call dirty diaper breath. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad breath. And all he talked in. about were hot pockets. <laughs> oh, hot pocket. That was another name for vagina. Oh, really? Here's Hannah Nichols with Angela Carlucci. Maybe you know them as true dreams. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. My vagina smells like chicken noodle soup on an average day. But on a lesser day, it's Texas barbecue Frito-Lays. And have you ever pet a baby goat at the zoo? Listen really close to what I'm telling you But not too close That's what my vagina smells like on its best day That hoary clam trap That awful beef steak Some say it's like swimming in an unwashed shark tank You can take a guess on if it's purple or pink It's Indiana Jones's Temple of Doom it's a little cobweb in an oversized room. But your balls ain't no fresh summer peach. Stink like some dead ass little blowfish washed up on the beach. Smell like cream of mushroom soup if you ask after me. When I order myself a sandwich, I tell them all the sprouts. Cause it reminds me too much of getting crumb in my mouth. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup.
vivid moment. I loved her encounter with her embarrassing younger self's diary entries. I think I know whose this is. The embrace of that kind of vivid exposure without shame, not unlike lifting up her shirt to show her boobs. That was a great story. That <laughs> 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 really cracked me up. Um, also, the bat mitzvah culture in suburban New York City, I related to that so hard. I don't remember the bat mitzvah thing, what was that? Well, she grew up in like a pretty Jewish suburban community mm -hmm. um, near New York City, as I did in Lower Westchester, mm -hmm. and just talking about like her own bat mitzvah and the preparation for it, that it's oh, a yeah. sort of public speaking moment, and like mm -hmm. you have to give a speech, and, but like I can't, and then there's this moment where she makes everybody in the synagogue laugh, and right. it's kind of, it's by accident at first, and then she's like, oh, this, mm -hmm. like I want this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Do you have an good. early memory of performing and having that oh, yeah. strike you? Oh yeah, I yeah. know exactly what it was. Do you mind sharing it? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, my high school for a long time had a sort of battle in the bands thing called Cafe Saturnalia. Saturnalia, <laughs> like <laughs> a Dionysian sort of oh, experience. Wow. And cafe because it was <laughs> in the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and when I was in high school, they introduced another event also in the cafeteria, and it was called, uh, it was called the Coffee House. And it was for the more like acoustic performers, the poets and the singer songwriters. And I did, I did a couple of poems, and I remember looking out into the cafeteria, and performing my poem. And there's this moment where the whole quiet cafeteria, everybody shut the fuck up and was just listening and watching me. And I was like, this is my <laughs> drug. Like this, this is my jam. I will Jones for this forever, <laughs> and and I've just been like chasing that pretty much ever since. But but whenever that moment happens, like it, I like go right back to that moment in the cafeteria when everybody like you know I mean you you've all performed like you mm. know there's this magic thing that happens sometimes and like it doesn't happen every time because like you're still gonna bomb sometimes and you're still gonna kill sometimes and like you can't always control it but like. Man, when everybody shuts up and listens to you, and like the ambient noise that you don't even notice is suddenly gone, like that's magic. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys nice. have moments like that, that, like that first performing moment, that you felt what it was like to perform, and that, and you got a, get that connection and that kind of rush? You have that. Well, I have like both. I was in. You can't take it with you. Oh yeah. Yeah, Great. you can't take it with you. It was my junior year. And I was so, I was Mr. DePinna, and there's this scene where I was posing in a toga, and I had all these friends in the audience, so during, so I just started mugging to them in the middle of the thing, and they just laughed, and I just like started playing up to them, and I totally broke the fourth wall and was like lifting the sheet. <laughs> and I, it was thrilling, and then afterwards the director wouldn't speak to me, she was so upset <laughs> that I had, like, right. it wasn't a professional thing to do. Uh -huh. So it was like that, and then slamming Damn. down of like shame <laughs> and remorse. So I think that's something maybe I should bring to my therapy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. true. those things are very linked to me. It's like, how, like who do you think you are? Yeah. Yeah. So. Thanks, Bishop Book Club, for <laughs> bringing back that memory. Yeah. <laughs> Influential. What about you, Susan? I had, I had that experience when I was like, I think it was a third grade or fifth grade. I was doing my first oral book report, and I memorized the whole thing, and it was on a biography of Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. 
and uh, I love this. I love this biography so much, and I just, you know, I just started talking it. But then, I felt that connection where it's like, oh, they're with me. They're with mm-hmm. me. If I go over here, they're gonna follow me. If I go over <laughs> here, they're gonna follow me. And then the principal interrupted my book report, and he made an announcement on the loudspeaker. And then Gus Chaconis, who sat in front of me, he was still looking at me. He's like, no, no, keep, keep talking. He wanted me to keep going. And I was like, this is good. I'm Gus with the Chaconis. <laughs> I love Gus so much. Chaconis so likes it. Chaconis ah. likes it. It was good. I knew I was good. So yeah, that was my first experience like that. But then the first time I was really conscious of making somebody laugh, though, and that was a real high. Was when I was high, I was mm. I was on acid, <laughs> and and my friend, my best friend in college, we were just walking down, and it was beautiful, and you know it was, it was a pretty decent acid, and um, and I I just started talking about things, and she was cracking up, and she was cracking up, and I remember just that feeling. I was like, this this is really good. Mm. I like making her laugh. So, I don't know. And that's why you always do acid. And that's why I always do acid. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. That's great. Yeah. I have a budget for... You got a budget that stuff in, you know. Right. Yeah. Acid, acid writer, writer. Yeah, my yeah. bowl of acid, please. (laughs) All right. Well, want to see what else is in the conk? All right. Here's Here's a little scrap. The way that the writing staff congregates for a little, then does most of the work apart. I like that. Oh yeah, that's mine. Mm-hmm. The way that the yeah, writing the writing staff, staff congregates, show, yeah, congregates for a little and then does most of the work. Yeah, that was apart. like in the introvert chapter. Yeah, yeah. 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 the idea right. that you could you could work the way that fits you instead mm-hmm. of trying to fit yourself into what everybody thinks is the way that things should happen. Right, right. I I love that. Can I get a little? Jesse Kilgus. Are you ready for this? Like Amy Schumer, not if you're an 
think mm-hmm. she talked about working with her sister too, where they'd be mm-hmm. like sitting on the couch next to each other on their laptops, working on the same screenplay, <laughs> but not like actually interacting or talking to each other. Yeah. It was sweet. It's really yeah. sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like working that way too. Susan and I actually worked on the songs for this one day like that. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're going to do it all Schumer style. <laughs> <laughs> we just oh, sat really? side by uh-huh. sat there uh-huh. and, and, and we, we both and, and we, set a timer. We set a timer. Where yeah. it's like, okay, we're going to do 20 minutes. And then we I would work oh, for 20 great. minutes. But weren't yeah. your sounds interfering with each other? No, no, we, it was like yeah. silent. We were silent working. Yeah. <laughs> it was like working on the word part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we did it again later in the day. It was like the same. We did more. Uh-huh. We did another twenty couple, minutes. Later. Yeah, a couple yeah. sessions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, I mean, now you mentioned your song, though. Don't you get to talk about your song too? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I wrote I wrote two songs, and and like the first one, like it was like hard to come out. It wouldn't come out, and then I'm like, ah, this feels terrible. Um, but then I shared it with you guys, and I was like, well, at least you know I'll be able to pull it off. You know, <laughs> it'll be something I can pull off. And then, as the date of the show got closer, I kept thinking, you know, I really want. I should be able to pull out a, a decent, like, soul song, you know, because she loves soul music. <laughs> I should be able to pull out some kind of Motowny something or other. And so that's what I tried for. But then even that was like, oh, God, uh, well, no, this is not right. That's not right. And then I just sat down with the bass, and I, and I played a riff that I liked. And I love the little upbeat things that I got in there. And, yeah, I just got a bass riff, and then it, it just came from there. And I, I was so happy that I made one thing that I liked, you know. <laughs> A bass line. And then, of course, I can't really play it and sing it at the same time. So I was like, Charlie, will you play this bass line? <laughs> and I got to sing about the, the ladies of Senior 10. And this song, this song is for them. I really liked this story in particular because it was kind of this weird reverse, reverse Cinderella story. Instead of finding the shoe that fits so that you could get the guy, she bought the shoes that she thought she had to have, and then they got shat on. <laughs> And she had to throw them out. Remember how this one goes, Charlie? Meet Beatrice who speaks like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. Enid wouldn't stomach any small talk or those sort of things. Blanche had a long thin face and didn't mind, didn't mind being me. Debbie kept her hair in braids so she could feel pretty. They're the women of senior ten. You don't fuck with them. The women of senior ten. Marco Polo in the pool, meant free for all, and grabbing Amy's breasts, squeezing like lemons, so she bruised like a peach. The right one bigger than her left. Beatrice was ready for the chlorine in her backwards bathing suit. Uh, Amy turned it around, holding her down. Alma caught a face full of boobs. The women of senior ten, you don't fuck with them. The women of senior ten. The women of senior ten, don't fuck with them. Casting on me She didn't answer, didn't need to There was liquid shit running onto her feet Amy didn't run, didn't cry, didn't look away She didn't scream Just breathed out her mouth through the converse Out, she'd never be Carly And I know the women are seeing you dead You don't fuck with them 
expect something so dire And yeah, she'd never learn any words to We didn't start the fire For these women who weren't ashamed And who'd never change for the men they loved They could laugh like there's no tomorrow And they gave zero fucks They're the women of senior tenure Don't fuck with them They're the women of senior tenure Don't fuck with write that song and so people ask me what my process is like I'm just like basically whatever's there I just put it in my mouth and like that's called procrastination or songwriting or what have you learn this vivid moment the men's health oh that's mine the correspondence correspondence yeah. the men's health correspondence concerning the photo illustrations for her piece right what I learned Amy likes horseback riding <laughs> that was surprising to me I don't know why I didn't see her don't see her as a horseback uh, horse horse kind of gal but um, that, I can relate to that. I also love horses. Do you really? I do. I like horses. I, I mean, I, my I mean, personal theory is that like everything looks better from, oh, from on top height. of a horse. Yeah, you know, riding a horse is really fun. Yeah, I don't have any deep feelings about horses, but no. I do. I do like them. Right. That's a nice ending to the podcast. I was wondering when we would end and how we would mm-hmm. end. You know, but we could end by saying goodbye to Jim and Larry and go <laughs> yes. to the weekends. This was fun, you guys. Yeah. 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 Book club forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. We keep writing books. I guess we should just keep writing songs. Yeah. yeah. It's like an arms race. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody wins. Yes. There's no cold war. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for listening to this Amy Schumer-inspired episode of the Bushwick Book Club podcast. And thank you, Amy, for inspiring these songs and for being so honest and so funny and so relentless and for embracing yourself and every turn in your life and finding lots to laugh about and so much to give. You've given us a lot of inspiration, a lot of new music, a lot of songs that we're going to keep singing. Gosh, the right-wrong tattoo can be just the thing. The Bushwick Book Club podcast is produced and engineered by Lester Litt, which is Charlie Neeland and Susan Wong. You can find out more about all of us at bushwickbookclub.com and lesterlit.com.